Across the United States, Indigenous families are searching for their loved ones. For closure. We would tell each other, what, what do you think she said? And what was her last words, you know? Did she cry for help or did she pray? The missing and murder Indigenous women. Alka, this is Mary. Ketanani, this is Sylvia. And, and welcome, welcome to the, the Native, Native Sisters, Sisters Podcast. We're back. Welcome back, everybody. Hello. Um, I hope everyone's been well. And we've been exposed. <laughs> we've been we've been well, but we've been exposed. Somebody in my house has COVID. Somebody in my house has COVID. <laughs> has COVID. <laughs> um, but we're clear. I'm boosted. Sylvie's not boosted, Bye. but she's vaccinated. <laughs> um, and the second thing, Sylvia had never seen Drake before today. She saw, is that Drake? I had a video on the TV. She's like, is that what he looks like this whole time? <laughs> I don't, how am I supposed to know what he looks like? She's never seen Drake before. I don't ever really listen to Drake, so... <laughs> I don't know how that surprises you. But it's just funny because how famous Drake. he is. Like, you know who he is. Like, you see him and you know who he is. But that's weird. I never even went to that part. Anyways. <laughs> um, same guy? <laughs> that's the same guy? <laughs> um... And what else? We're exposed. I've been cleaning like a mad woman. Been making soup. <laughs> I made soup today too. Yeah. And that's it. And we're gonna. Sylvie has a story today. And we have our t-shirts up. We haven't had a whole lot of sales. Thanks, guys. <laughs> but you guys lied when you just, said you wanted t-shirts. Just our number one fans only. Yeah. Thanks, Erin and Ashley. Ingles and Ashley. Thank you guys for supporting us. Mel. Mel, yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and get started. <laughs> Take it away, Sumi. Okay. Uh, today, I am doing a story on... Henny Scott, mm-hmm. and it's a pretty uh, well-known story. I don't want to say popular. Um, it's unfortunate. It's, it's a sad story. Um, she's only 14 years old. So, Henny Scott was born January 9th, 2004 to Paula Castro Stops and Charles Scott Jr. in the Crow Agency in Montana. Um, Henny lived in Lame Deer, Montana for most of her life, but there was a period in time when her and her family moved um, to Texas for a little bit, um, but uh, Henny, she was a middle child. She had four sisters and four brothers, and that's including stepkids and adopted kids that were like a blended family. Um, Henny was described as, from her parents as being a tomboy. Um, she was, she loved hunting and she was really good at it. Uh, she was an outgoing person. There was nothing that she wasn't afraid of. She would do anything. Um, she loved art. And when she was in Texas with her family, she 
fell in love with basketball and cheer. So she became very passionate um, with both of those sports. Um, Her mother said that she wanted to be a doctor, and she talked about going off to school and getting an education and coming back and helping her people when there is. That's awesome. Yeah. So the Northern Cheyenne Indian Reservation, it's in Montana. Um, I'm not real familiar with the area. I think I've been to Montana, a part of Montana before, but not really into Montana. Uh, I went to school with a guy that was from Northern Cheyenne Tribe, but that's all I know about it. So I looked it up. It's a federally federally recognized tribe. Um, the Northern Cheyenne Indian Reservation is located in the southeastern part of Montana, and it's approximately 690 square miles, and it has um, roughly 5,000 residents in its boundaries. Um, according to enrollment figures in 2013, enrollment of the tribal members was around 10,050. Wow. Um, also, Montana is like one of the highest of the missing and murdered indigenous women, right, in the mm-hmm. United States. Yep. And I think Washington was another, the second. Mm-hmm. But was Montana right number one? Or do you don't know? Um, I want to say it's, it's one of three. the top three, I believe. For indigenous people, yeah. I'm sure it's number one. Um, but I don't know about all missing people. Yeah. Um, no, so for indigenous, that's what I mean. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's other reservations close, one, the other one being directly to the west of Northern Cheyenne Res is the Crow Reservation, which is bigger than the Northern Cheyenne. The Northern Cheyenne Tribal Headquarters is located in Lame Deer, Montana. The town of Lame Deer was named after a Lakota chief who was killed by the U.S. Army in 1877 under a flag of truce. I just was wondering why it was called Lame Deer. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit about um, where they're from. Yeah, the Northern Cheyenne Indian Re- Reservation. But um, this story was on that show, Murdered mm-hmm. in Montana. Was that what it's called? The one on I Oxygen so. on Hulu that you watched. <clears throat> Yeah, I pay for Hulu Live just to watch that show. <laughs> it's costing sixty five ninety nine <laughs> per month. Um, yeah, it was what missing and murdered in Montana. Something or mis- like that. Murdered in Montana or something like that. Yeah, we'll find the name for you guys. But it was really good. So she show. was she was um, her story was on that show as well as two other girls right in the Montana area right there. Yeah. Um. I don't know if it's... One of the other girls was uh, Selena Not Afraid. And I was going to... Sarah. And I was going to do a story on her. Murdered. I'm trying to find the name of it. Murdered and Missing in Montana on Hulu. You have to have Hulu Live. Or you have to have the Oxygen channel. You could probably watch it on demand, maybe. I'm not sure. Anyways, Okay. So now we're going to get into a little bit about Henny and her story. It's a sad story. She's underage. She was only 14. Probably 
going to be a couple trigger warnings. Some stuff's going to happen to kids. Um, so, yeah. So, anyways, she, um, on December 7, 2018, it was a Friday, and Henny's school got out early. I guess every Friday they got out early. My high school get out early every Friday. <laughs> right? Sherman, they never let us out early ever. Yeah. Jesus. Lazy dorm staff. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding, Don. Just kidding, Don. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, um, so she got out of school early on Friday. And right after she got out of school, Henny's mom said she was home. And a girl came to the house to get her. And her mom didn't recognize who the girl was. Like, it wasn't one of her normal friends. Um, so Henny came and asked her mom if she can go to the open gym. And her mom said, yeah, that's fine. Just come back soon. So then her mother said that she heard from Henny again later that night by phone around 8 p.m. And she called to ask if she could go to a basketball tournament in Billings. And Billings is about a two-hour drive from Lane Deer. <laughs> So her mother reminded her that she was grounded and that she needed to come home and she couldn't go. So Henny said okay and assured her that she would be home in a little while. And that was the last time that her mother would hear her daughter's voice. Mm-hmm. And that was the last time she would ever be heard from, from anybody. Except for maybe whoever was responsible for her disappearance. So... Um, Time goes on, later that night, she's still not home, um, and her mom, and it's her stepdad, his name's Nate, and her mom's name is Paula, and they, the number that she called from earlier, they recognized that who the person was on the caller ID, you know, like old school, I don't know if it's on cell phones, I guess it is sometimes, but if like a long time ago, like a phone would have caller ID so it would show yeah. what who was calling. Like your house phone? Yeah, so they ID. knew yeah. what residence it was. They were familiar with this person. So um, so they went over to that house and um, they said that um, her stepdad went and he pulled up and he asked for the boy's name who they were familiar with. And so he came in, or out to the porch, and just was talking to him from the car. And he, she, the dad was just like, hey, have you seen Henny? She's not back yet. And he's like, oh, no, she was here. She just took off. You know, like real short answers. Um, so the Henny's father said, and you know, if you hear from her, you see her, talk to her, tell her to get home. And the boy just said, okay, went back into the house real quick. And um, Henny's father on the interview said that he was real suspicious right away because the boy wouldn't even look him in the eyes. Like, he was just, like, brushed him off big time. So he kind of felt at that moment that something was going on. Um, He felt something wrong right away. Yep. So after not hearing from Henny that night and calling around to her friends and other families, and nobody knew where she was, nobody's seen her, nobody's heard from her, so, um, Henny's mom called Lame Deer Police Department to report her missing, and they didn't get any help. So, Henny was 14, and the police said that she probably ran away 
she's probably got a new boyfriend and you don't know about him and she just ran off with him and um so she i guess has been known to be away from the house for like two or three days but her parents always knew where she was and um henny's mom even said that she'd like talk to her about you know like you can be mad or you can you know just you know sit it out somewhere else just i need to know where you are all the time so she knew that she needed to tell her mom where she was all the time even if it, if she was mad because she's like oh the police said oh she's probably just mad because you wouldn't let her go to the tournament yeah she was really sheltered yeah okay. so i mean they i don't know if that's sheltered went. but like that's just you know keeping tabs on your kid like you're supposed to do yeah <laughs> but i mean i don't know <laughs> Some people, I guess some parents don't do that. Yeah, they yeah. don't. Yeah. So I watched an interview with Henny's parents that said that the Northern Cheyenne tribe had three council meetings about Henny while she was missing. And on the third meeting, the tribe determined that Henny did not qualify for Amber Alert. Um, and Paula Castro Stop said that she was also not giving any information about the tribal council about Henny. So... The tribe also is not communicating with the family about Henny being missing, as well as the police. Um, so she said everything that they learned was from hearsay or from around the community that they heard. So um, after seven days of being missing and not receiving any help from the Lame Deer police, they go to a neighboring reservation to file a missing report. And then they received also no help again. So frustrating. Yeah, because she's only 14. Yeah, she's 14. She's not normal for her just to disappear and not answer and not call. Exactly. <clears throat> so frustrating. So this they... is already a week that goes by, and Henny's parents, they're worried about her. So, and everybody's telling them, like, oh, she ran away. She was mad at you. You know, she's 14. She's probably off with a boy somewhere. That's annoying. So, Henny's parents gathered family and friends together and went out looking for Henny on their own. You know, they figure this is the only way that they're going to get anything done is if they do it themselves. Um, during this time, Henny's parents received tips and information, like, you know, they would have sightings of her. They would have somebody say, oh yeah, I seen her over here. They seen her on the crow res. Oh, she was over here in Hardin. Like, all, you know, like, she's everywhere, apparently. Um... So, in set, she was seen in def different reservations and everywhere. So, um, still coming up with nothing, though. Like, her parents would drive around to all the tips and, like, you know, they would go out, just take a drive and see if they can find her. And um, they were coming up with nothing. So, they would go out on search parties by themselves. So, they, um, the, it ended up being 21 days later and they... They still were doing searches on their own. 21 so, days. Yeah. So the, and at this point, I read that this is like Christmas goes by, her mom's birthday went by, mm -hmm. and she's still not coming home. They're like, no, something's wrong. She wouldn't miss Christmas. She wouldn't miss my birthday. Yeah. And um, so they know something's wrong. So um, they were searching around the house where she last was seen in Muddy Creek, which was that boy's house. Um, they had, I guess, the stepdad and her bro and his brother 
and a bunch of other friends and family um, just kind of spread out around that area. So they ended up finding her body. Um, and the body was buried in snow and only about 200 yards from the home where she was last seen. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was laying on the ground. She didn't have a shirt on. And she'd been missing for 21 days at this point. And in Montana, December, I'm guessing it's pretty cold. I well, mean, snow. Then. Yeah, but I mean, like, freezing cold. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of. Um, so her parents were devastated, first of all, because their abandonment from law enforcement and other agencies that were supposed to be helping them, they're supposed to be helping Henny. And that first 48 hours. Yeah. Critical they did nothing. time, and they did nothing. And they had to find their daughter by themselves. It's crazy. It's, yeah. I was um, going to say, it's unbelievable, but it's actually not. Because, I mean, all these stories, a lot of our people are um, not heard by the police departments or, you know. Yeah. So, there's a lot of things wrong with this story and the situation. <laughs> First, Henny was only 14. Um, a lot of issues that came up were like, why wasn't there an Amber Alert issued for her? Because she's 14 and she's yeah. missing. Um, when her parents went to the police, should there have been an Amber Alert issue? And like I said before, the tribe had apparently had a, a meeting about it and said that she didn't qualify um, for an Amber Alert. So I looked up what does it take to have an Amber Alert, you know, what needs to happen for an Amber Alert to happen. So, number one, there has to be a reasonable belief, reasonable belief by law enforcement that an abduction occurred, which there's no proof that she was abducted. Um, number two, law enforcement agencies believe that the child is in imminent danger or serious bodily injury or death. So, I, I think that she could have qualified for that, but the police have to believe that. Like, obviously, her parents believed that, but, you know, law enforcement has to believe that she's in danger, which they didn't. Um, Number three, there has to be enough descriptive information. You know, they have to know, like, what she looks like, what she was last wearing, all that stuff. Um, The abduction is of a child 17 years or younger, which she qualified for that one. The child's information has to have been issued into the National Crime Information Center system, which that did not happen also. So, um, like I said, she can, she falls into number four for sure, and then number two, I think she fell into that one. Um, but I guess law enforcement didn't think so. But um, Amber Alert, to me, is more leaning towards an abduction of a child that needs public help to find I think you know and like all night when I was researching and it's about a kid who was abducted by somebody and the public needs help to find them that's why they put out Amber Alert yeah um do they know how long that she was dead before they found her no because of the snow or like the weather yeah she was buried in snow I wonder my first thought is that she was in that house that that guy came out and was being suspicious mm-hmm. that maybe they were keeping her there. Maybe. Did they? Like she was still in the house right then, that night. Yeah, that she was there. Yeah. 
I mean, I was thinking like she was there the whole time. They were just holding her hostage. Or if she wanted to stay. Maybe. I doubt it. <laughs> but right. I, I mean, just saying, I mean, I doubt that she wanted to stay, you know? She knows she had to be home. Yeah. Um, so maybe in this case, there was no information in the beginning that could have led to the belief that Henny was abducted. You know, you can assume the authorities want, but the authorities want the proof. They don't want an assumption. So it wasn't until December 26, 19 days after her, she was last seen, that um, Henny went into the system. So a missing endangered person advisory was issued by the Department of Justice on December 26th. Um, that's they probably did it on the 26th because Christmas passed. Yeah, it was like right after. Yeah, Christmas. and they're like, oh, maybe something happened because usually people go home for Christmas. Yeah, which is stupid because she's already been missing for 19 days right then. So this advisory had the physical description of Henny, her personal information, as well as information of the last place she was seen, and it also had on there that she had a possible physical injury, but. I don't, nobody ever talked about the physical injury. So whoever was the last person to see her? I don't know where it came from. Her, even mm-hmm. like in her interviews, her mom never said anything about the physical injury. Mm-hmm. But that it was on there. I read the thing and it said there was a um, possible physical injury, but that's literally all it said. Um, so... The autopsy says that the death was hypothermia. That's her cause of death. So hypothermia is when the body temperature drops down to 95 degrees and stays there long enough to cause organ damage or death, depending on the length of time. So that's how she died. Basically froze to death because she was buried in snow. And she was, what, 200 yards away 200 yards away from that house down towards the creek. Muddy Creek, I'm assuming. I don't know. (laughs) Um... And after Henny's body was found, her parents were able to go down to the funeral home and view her. And here's where a big issue arises with the family. Um, Henny's mother, who probably knows her daughter's appearance and body more than anyone else, you know, in the whole world, (laughs) um, she notices a few things. Um, She notices that, first of all, she has cuts and scrapes on her body. She has a burn on her leg, and Henny's mom believes that her nose is broken. Um, They show pictures on the thing, um, on that show, and it, it, I mean, it shows a picture of her nose. Um, I don't know, I've never seen a broken nose, I'm not sure. (laughs) Yeah, I know. But her mom is really adamant that her nose is broken. Um... But the autopsy report claims no gross abnormality or fracture. Um, And it also states nothing about any scrapes or bruises or burns or anything that her parents obviously saw. And they took pictures of them. So there's pictures out there of this. Yeah. Um, So, like I said, her mom was very adamant about her broken nose. So much so that they ended up exhuming her body and having a second autopsy done. Um, But the autopsy didn't come up with anything different than the first one. 
So I don't know if maybe like skin settled differently. I don't. I have no idea. I don't know how to explain the broken nose. Yeah, I don't know. But um, I mean, I guess it. I wonder if she used the same place or if she used it. It was different. So I read that you know how they did the show. The show brought in um, their own that they work like ho- high profile murders or like missing people, you know, like yeah. cases. The cases are high profile. So this guy was somebody not even from the area. You know, he was somebody that they didn't even know. Um, but he did come up with um, questions. So in the autopsy, there's nothing done. You know how they check, like, under the fingernails? Yeah. There was nothing that... They didn't have any DNA, anything on the autopsy. No DNA of anything. They didn't check... They don't even know if it was checked for... Um, they just like, oh, she died of hypothermia, so yeah, we don't have to check exactly. all this. And there was no rape kit. Like, why would you not do the rape kit? Shouldn't that be, like... She was missing for 21 days and nobody knew what happened, you know? <laughs> this story like, is so frustrating. It, like, makes me mad. Yeah. So her parents were really frustrated about, you know, digging her up and them not finding anything else. Um, I don't know... Was this the one that they had buried her and then later on had to yeah. dig her up uh-huh. to against their, you know, their ways? Yes, and then they redid the second autopsy. Yeah, they did the, redid the second autopsy. Um, so her parents were really frustrated with the second autopsy also with the results. Um, but they said, you know, maybe... Because I don't know the time period. Like, I don't know when the first one was done and then when the second one was done. I don't know. Um so her parents said that maybe the second autopsy was just too late to find anything it should have been done right away yeah so obviously they couldn't do a rape kit like because her body is already decomposing exactly and most native people don't even embalm their you know their people after they pass so i mean i'm sure it was very difficult to have to do another autopsy later after she was already yep so um Henny's mom um, was given back her belongings in a box from law enforcement. And in the box, there was clothing that was found on her or near her body. Um, So there was a shirt and sweatpants and underwears and shoes. And Henny's mom said that the shirt was not Henny's shirt. The sweatpants are not Henny's sweatpants. The only thing that were hers were the underwear and the shoes. Um, so sh- her question is, whose clothes are these? And those clothes where are Where are Henny's clothes? Yeah, exactly. So, um, and, nobody, and she told the police that and nothing was done about it. Of course not. <laughs> assholes didn't even take the missing person's report. Exactly. Um... So, another factor, um, Henny's blood alcohol level was 0.065, which I don't think is that high. I mean, so this is under the legal level to operate a motor vehicle after consuming alcohol, right? Because that's 
point zero eight. Eight. Yeah. yeah. In California, I don't know if it's different in Montana. I don't know. Well, either, either way, way it's not like if California so. says it's okay, then you know we're reckless. So. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So um, the authorities believe that alcohol played a part in her death. So their assumption is that Henny was drinking with these boys and then she wandered off to go home and died in the elements. That's what they're saying. You know, it's December in Montana and the winters can be very harsh. This is what they say. <laughs> um, there was probably snow covering the ground and it's probably really cold. Um, and hypothermia is what they're going with. Because that's what they're going with. But I was listening to other podcasts that um, did her story, uh, and they talked about a lot of girls in Montana that are missing, and hypothermia is always their cause of death, always. Like, almost these same kind of stories just in Montana, and every single one of them is hypothermia. So... Um, Henny's mom says that hypothermia could have been her cause of death, but what happened before that? Why does she have all these bruises and cuts? Yeah, and like something happened, nose. you know. Um, why would she just lay down and die in the ground? You know, there was a house 200 um, yards away. You could see the house from where they found her body. Um, so you did know, they, why wouldn't she just start walking did home? Did they question these people that yeah, lived there? Yeah, they did. And they, did they, was no, there any outcome or nothing? Mm, well, they probably didn't report anything, obviously. Yep. Uh-huh. Like, and she knew the area. Like, she knew where to go. She lived there her, almost her whole entire life. Um, you know, if she would have just walked down to the road, she could have walked home. It wasn't far. So they don't understand, you know, like, even if she just wandered off. she They were saying she was drunk, but she's not drunk. I mean, she's 14. Maybe that alcohol's, you know... Maybe she's just not used to drinking, but I don't know. Um, so, and her mom also said that her winter coat was in the house with that, that residence where they, she was last seen. You know, like, why didn't they she have her it? coat on? I don't, I don't know well, how. Well, how did they know? I don't know how, but they ended up having to go pick up her winter coat from the house. Um, and if she knows it's freezing outside, she's not going to just leave her jacket. Exactly. That's what her mom And she said. wasn't drunk, obviously. She might have had, like, a drink or two, and then she's yeah. not, you know, Like, literally, with not even probably two drinks. Like, probably, because isn't it, like, you can have two drinks and then drive? That's what they say. So it's probably less than two drinks that she had. Like, it wasn't, she wasn't drunk. Um... So, I guess later they heard that there was a party at this house and Henny and other teenagers were drinking in the house. But it was never investigated, you know. And her mom was like, well, where did these teenagers get the alcohol? There had to be an adult involved. Why is this adult not talking? You know, somebody died. And nobody wants the cop to it. So, still no answers. (laughs) So, on August 22nd, 2019, Henny Scott's case was closed by the U.S. Attorney General, and it was stated that no federal crimes had been committed, and then none of this information was given to the family. They had to read about it 
like in the media or like hear from other people what happened like they closed it so this i don't know if this is like a jurisdiction kind of like i know in this case like fbi was involved the lame deer police was involved like another reservations police was involved the bia was involved so a bunch of different um people were involved and it seems like it's just confusing is this also the one they spelled her name wrong on the no. paper no that was a different one. Oh, okay because <laughs> I, I, yeah on the show that somebody they did submitted um the paperwork or on the closure the and then That's they the misspelled they her made, name isn't that the one that they made the family cremate her yeah and they yeah. couldn't do anything like uh-huh. yeah yep you guys need to watch that show if you haven't seen it then you're missing out. <laughs> yeah, you gotta watch it. It's, yeah, it's sad though. It's hard, it is sad. Hard to it's sometimes watch. hard. Yeah, it is. But I mean, it, this stuff is happening all the time, every day. Yeah. So I mean, what are we gonna do? And well, actually, remember I was gonna talk about it. The um, so the Yurok tribe in California had recently submitted a state of emergency for missing, murdered Indigenous. Uh, women and girls Mm. Um, I did look into it just a little bit of um, their resolution that they submitted to the state and to the Supreme Court I think but so what what is it though does it is it just like kind of like a public service announcement Um, state of emergency declaration due to ongoing crisis of missing and murdered indigenous women and girls the Yurok tribe, tribal council, and it talks about. Since 2015, there has been an average of 14 cases of missing, murdered Indigenous women and girls in California per year. Of the cases known to be murders or that are suspicious enough to be investigated as a murder statewide, a mere 50% were actually classified as homicide. 13% were classified as accidental, another 13% as natural causes, 11% suicide, 8% suspicious, and 5% overdose. Approximately half of all California missing, murdered Indigenous women and girls cases where cases status is known lack charges or a conviction meaning that a suspected perpetrator was identified but either never charged or was charged with and then acquitted and then there's like a long same crap, long same crap as montana yeah same crap as montana but they actually had a declaration yeah that's good yeah and then um at the end of it copy of this resolution shall, shall be forwarded to the Secretary of Interior, Health and Human Services, and to Department of Justice to request that they dedicate all possible resources to ongoing case crisis of missing, murdered Indigenous women and girls, both nationally and specifically on the Yurok Reservation. Wow. Well, our tribe needs to do that. Yeah, for real. 
But I feel like I feel this, all it's tribes not, need to do that. It's not just like missing, murdered Indigenous women and girls, because there's men too yeah, that's who true. are missing, especially in our area. Like we have men missing from our area. Bring bear home. Bring bear home. <laughs> and also the um, the individual from um, San Isabel, which we'll be covering in the future soon. But at least they're, you know, their tribe is recognizing that it's an issue and they're doing something about it. Even if it's just like the beginning by them opening this door saying, okay, we're going to put in this as a um, state of emergency. That's good. Other tribes are going to, you know, follow follow and do it too. Yep, I hope so. I hope so too. (laughs) Um, I think... uh... In the beginning of this uh, story, the jurisdiction issues were played a really, really big part. Um, like she said, she went to Lame Deer, which is, I guess, was the closest department to her, and she filed the missing missing people's report. When they didn't do anything, she went to the next um, town over to a different place to go file. Also, didn't get any help. Um, the BIA got involved in this, and also um, the FBI. So, the Northern Cheyenne Indian Reservation has its own jurisdiction and its own police. So, it's known that the reservation is about 400,000 acres large. It's huge. Yeah, that is huge. Um, and it has said... That there's is about only six police officers for that whole area. Holy moly. And there's what five thousand residents? Or five yeah, five thousand no, ten thousand. Ten thousand tribal no, members. But only five thousand residents. Okay. But six officers? <laughs> well, we ain't got any yeah, here. We don't even have yeah, we got nothing. Um so in an interview with the BIA, which was on the show that we watched. Um, the BIA claims a lack of accountability, a lack of policies, and a burnout of why the ball was dropped and when it comes to the Henny Scott case. Claiming that sometimes officers work 12-hour shifts for 30 days straight with no breaks. That's like a burnout. Mm-hmm. Um, and they claim that they were worried about Henny, even though they didn't do anything. They were worried. Were you though? <laughs> exactly. They just ha- they just have to say that I think. Um, and he also said that. But are these actually like police officers? Are these like tribal police? Or are they for the BIA? Or for... Oh, it's for BIA. I was thinking this of the guy. Police. This guy was um, the BIA. Oh okay. He didn't care. What was that movie? Thunderheart. Thunderheart. The BIA. <laughs> oh yeah, the BIA guy. Yeah. Um. <laughs> So, he said that... That was the one who said, <laughs> he said, I heard it in the wind. Oh, yeah. He's like, he's going 65, now I'm... <laughs> I need to watch that movie again. I, I pulled him over. a long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a good movie. Um, so, the, he was talking about, like, this guy that they interviewed, he had to be anonymous. They, like, did a voice thing... And, and they always show, like, their shoulders. Yeah, shiny. yeah, show his tie. The, the back of the head. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> While they were talking. Um, 
um, but he was saying that the FBI was reluctant to get involved in this case because of the lack of information. Um, but then he also said that FBI has been known to have racial bias against certain races. Not sure if that's true. It's just what somebody said. <laughs> uh, you can have your own but opinion about that. Because there's not enough information is why they need to get involved. Exactly. Like, come on. That's why so, we need and, your help. In this case, nobody did their job. Yeah. And she And she lost her life. She lost her it. life. She probably was gonna lose her life anyway, but she didn't have to lay out there for twenty one days. Yeah. Or if she was there for twenty one days, what if they could have Yeah. What if she was there not even that long and they could have saved her? Exactly. They could have. And it's just, if a police officer just would have did a welfare check on that house, I need to go do a yes, search. Yes, exactly. But go there like, and say, "Hey, is Henny here? Her parents are worried." Yeah, you her know? parents should have got crazy and went over there. I know, Since the, there's yeah. only six police, I mean, go over there and bust in their house and like, I'm searching your house. And my, I'm gonna look yeah, for my daughter. Call the cops. <laughs> call the <laughs> cops. They come. They <laughs> for a while. <laughs> Right? I feel like that's what we would do here. Yeah, for real. <laughs> if, I mean... Yeah. But at the same time, they're, I'm sure they were reluctant and they didn't want to... They're know. probably not those kind of people that yeah. just go in and out. Like, down. crazy people. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Living the real yeah, life. <laughs> like, you know, she didn't have to... This didn't have to happen. There could there was so could've many things prevented. that could have been differently done that weren't. And will it change? I doubt it. You know, I'm curious. People... Like, it makes me think about how many people are actually missing in Montana, and then out of that, how many of them are Indigenous people? Okay, so um, I have some statistics on that because I so was thinking the like, population. If she was white, how what would have exactly. played out differently? They would, or if she sent was another... the SWAT team into that house, right, and drag her out of there. That's what they would have done. SWAT could have came from Billings. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It would have been completely different. Yeah. Um, so the population of Montana is about 1.6 million in the whole state of Montana. Montana is a big state. It's one of the bigger states in the United States. Um, and about 6.6% of that population is indigenous people. Um, so... 26% of missing persons reports in Montana are indigenous people. So that's a large number. If there's yeah. only 6.6%, that's a lot. A lot. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, um, and then again, like the state of emergency that the Yurok tribe, like we just read it, that they're asking for more assistance. Like they need help. Obviously our people need help. I think you need to do the case on that other girl. In Montana, yeah. I can do that one next. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Henny Scott did not deserve to go like this. You know, she didn't have to die. She didn't have to lay out in the snow for for three weeks. And, um, and there was no justice. Yeah, there's no justice. She died. She could have died from hypothermia. She could have, but... You know, what happened what to her? Happened? Like, who was she alive when... Obviously, she was alive when somebody just laid her out there. 
I don't think that she was drunk enough just to go out and fall. No. And she didn't not make it home. Yeah. And, and she then her jacket her, was she in the house. I have her clothes on. It was somebody else's clothes. Well, they said she didn't have a shirt on, right? Yeah, but there was a shirt laying next to her. So that they're assuming that was her shirt, and her mom said, "No, that's not her shirt, and those are not her pants." Where are I her wonder. Clothes? That makes me think. Like, did was she trying to run, and then they just like beat her to death right there because mm-hmm. she knew, like, even though she was frozen out there cold, like. They could have beat her, and then she Locked like, her out. and then she was just unconscious, and then died of heart hypothermia. Yeah, but, but exactly. they wouldn't know because they didn't do a freaking rape kit. Yeah, story <laughs> makes me mad. It does. It makes me mad too. It's so annoying. Like I feel so bad because there's so many things that could have happened, and maybe mm-hmm. not to prevent her death, but to prevent what happened after she died. You know, like. Mm-hmm. That didn't have to happen. She didn't deserve to go like this, you know? Yeah. And her um, family didn't deserve to have to deal with this crap. Yeah. All the... You didn't... You her know. family had to go out and find her body. That's the same thing with the other girl, too. They found her. They did a search. Found her. Yeah. Don't so. move to Montana. <laughs> <laughs> So I believe that something something happened to her and then she was laid out in the snow. Yeah. So she was alive still when she was laid out in the snow and then she died of hypothermia. Mm-hmm. But she didn't voluntarily go out into the snow and die. Yeah. Um, and I believe that somebody in that house had something to do with it. I think so too. Um, I believe that. Because she went, probably went there with her friends, the girl that came to get her at her house. Mm-hmm. But they were all drinking, probably. And they probably, you know. She was probably, like, having fun, hanging yeah. out, partying, because, you know, she, I don't know, 14 years Maybe old. Maybe this, this guy went and is like, oh, I'm going to take her home. Maybe they didn't even know what happened, her friends. Yeah. Who mm-hmm. knows? And then he's like, oh, I dropped her off. I don't know what happened, you know? Yep. That kind and of stuff happens all the time. Her in the house, and then she but, was trying yeah. to run away. He beat her. And then she died of hypothermia. Yeah, exactly. Something. It wasn't just she went out and fell over and died. That's no, not what that happened. That didn't happen. Her family knows that's not what happened. Everybody knows that's not what happened. Gee. <laughs> <laughs> so annoying. But yeah, that's the story. It's sad. She's only 14. She had so much life ahead of her, you know. She didn't deserve this. Yep. That's the story. That's the story for today. All right. Sorry, we're one day late. We had uh, company. Yeah, we had company. And we also just COVID is everywhere. I hate it. I mean, I'm not afraid of COVID. I don't know why, but I'm not because I've been exposed like. Five or six times, like my son had it in the house and I didn't catch it, and neither did any of my other kids. And you know, like the girls went to their Girl Scout sleepover and they had COVID, and the they girls didn't exposed. get it. Yeah, like we've been exposed, and I don't know if we're like the kids are super healthy and they just fight <laughs> they it eat off their vegetables. Well. So yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> kids eat your vegetables. Yeah. It works wonders. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, and I just right now I got a call from their school saying that they can't go back until the 24th of January. Hey, that's like Quentin. He can't go to work till the 24th. Ugh. Ten days. Ten days. <laughs> I was like, Home I see school. some girl. Or, um, oh, I sent it to you. It was on TikTok. Or I showed you when the girl, she's like, I can't believe that I got last year's COVID. Because <laughs> she didn't have no taste or smell. She did yeah. have taste and smell. No, she, she said she didn't. Oh. So that's, she got the Delta. Oh, okay. So she's like, I can't believe I got last year's COVID. So out of season. So last season. <laughs> I didn't even get the new COVID. <laughs> Anyways, stay safe out there, guys. Uh, wear your mask. Sanitize. We almost forgot. <laughs> we forgot uh, about our advertising for our... Shoutouts. Advertising for <laughs> native-owned businesses. Are you in the mood for some dream catchers to catch those dreams? You can look at Kiwatin Dreams. At Instagram, on Instagram or on Etsy, you can also look up her name. She does um, dream catchers and earrings and arts and crafts. Kiwatin Dreams. Oh, that's her name? I don't know her name. Oh. It doesn't have her name on here. Just this is the business. Oh, okay. And it's spelled K-E-E-W-A-T-I-N-D-R-E-A-M-S on Instagram and Etsy. Also, we wanted to shout out one of our friends. We personally know Denise. Um, she's on SY San Isabel. She's Kumiai. Um, she does um, contemporary jewelry. She does beads. Um, she makes cedar beads. I have a couple of her earrings, and it's really good quality. Yeah, so it's I called Different Shades of Red. She's on Instagram. She's on Facebook. Um, look her up. Look her up. She's awesome. She's Kumiai. Support your people. Some high quality shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Also, uh, Kumiai Creations on Facebook. They only have a Facebook page, but they um, do raffles oh, of Kumiai made yeah. items. Like they do beading, they do all kinds of stuff. Yeah, and, and it's awesome. Been... It's like a raffle, so it's fun. Yeah. You know, like you don't know if you're going to get it or not. I got. A good one. Everybody was mad. I won. I was like kidding. a set, right? Um, it was a gourd that Fred did. Oh yeah, a gourd with and it was beaded. Mm-hmm. It was nice. It's hanging in my truck. That's awesome. It's fun. No, I can't believe you won. Yeah. Everybody's like, "How many spots you buy?" She bought one spot. I'm just no. Like, <laughs> so many people get mad when somebody buys one spot and then they win. And that's the because they buy like six or seven spots and then they I lose. I bought seven spots. Yeah. See. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah give everybody a look on instagram we'll share them on our instagram just so you guys can find them a little bit easier um kumia creations i don't think they're on instagram but they're on facebook i can share them on our facebook and that's it don't forget to follow us on facebook and instagram and you can check out our website at www.nativesisterspodcast.com you can also purchase our t-shirts and buttons on our website And don't forget to give us shout-outs on social media. And we'll see you next time. Yep, see ya.